Don't you give me a countdown. Welcome to Ranking 76, where we review and rank the heroes and villains of the American West. I'm Eric. And I'm M-A-T-T, Matt. <laughs> where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. Last second thought I just had, I'm like, I'm going to try it, see if it landed. Don't think it's going to land, so. <laughs> I mean, if I land, to... you mean crash and burn. Yeah, it landed. <laughs> <laughs> No born survivors. In, born in Minnesota, basically grew up in South Dakota, moved to Georgia, and 12 other different places, and you thought you could break out a rap at the beginning of an American <laughs> wicka, 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 West wicka, wicka, The American West. <laughs> Not since Will Smith, Wild Wild West, has anyone <laughs> ever attempted that. For reasons. Hey, I like that song was way better than the movie. It was very catchy. I don't hate the song, but it's also been two decades since I've heard it. So who knows what I think about it anymore? Wiki, 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 wild, wild west. James West, desperado, rough rider. No, you don't stop nada. That's all I know. Wow. We're going straight. Wasn't Cisco in that too? The guy that sang the thong song. I'm pretty sure. Cisco was in everything for a while, it felt like. Yeah. So Cochise part two didn't picture the episode starting this way <laughs> with the Cisco reference, Will Smith Cisco <laughs> reference and a Cisco reference with, uh, you know, a, a rap. It's cool. I dig it. Is that what kids are still saying? They dig it. It's lit. It's lit. There you go. It slaps. There was a discussion on the discord group. It was very a bunch of 30 year olds trying to be cool anymore. Anyway, we should probably get back to Cochise. We last left Cochise at the end of the Cut the Tent incident or the Bascom Affair. The Bascom Affair, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, was a young boy named Felix was kidnapped. And it was suspected that Cochise's band was the one that did it. Well, it turns out Cochise didn't have the boy and the man who was leading the meeting uh, didn't believe him. So instead of allowing Cochise to go find the boy, he said, nope, you're arrested. So Cochise literally cut himself out of the tent he was sitting in and then ensued a couple week standoff because inside of the camp with Bascom was Cochise's young son named Nietzsche and his wife, along with a few cousins and uncles, things like that. Cochise then maybe takes a couple civilians captive. Maybe it was their fault. He also then finds some soldiers that were going out for water, the same thing. And after a couple weeks standoff, it, the soldiers end up dead, as well as some of Cochise's family members. It's weird that back then it's like, oh, okay, you kill a couple of my people, I'm going to kill a couple of yours. It's very dog-eat-dog. It's uh, not pleasant. And then up until this point, they were probably like, Cochise ain't going to do beep. Well, if they did, they were they did not know anything about the Apache because the, we spent the entire last episode talking about how angry the Apache could get. And Cochise, I don't Just, think I would call him peaceful, but he didn't have a vendetta until now. 
Maui has quite a big one, so that's going to be fun to deal well, with. Well, his um, his didn't they? I can't remember, so remind me. Didn't they want at one point want peace? Not really at this point. I mean, yes, there had been some overtures, but I mean, it's been a lot of attacks. Oh Mexican. no, no. What I'm thinking of is like the the Mexicans would always make deals with them, right? And then they would to go stop fighting. Country. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Until yep, they maybe. made a deal with them, and then they would go back, right? Yeah, yeah. it's fun, fun little little game that the Apaches were playing with the Mexicans. Little you pay little... us, we'll stop. But if you pay us, we'll stop. Because then we'll just go attack them. <laughs> yeah. Kind of was, yeah. So we are in April 1861. Same year, same month that the Civil War starts out back east. Which is just perfect time for Cochise and his vendetta to start. Not that he had anything to do with the Civil War, obviously. But it's not perfect time because Cochise is about to attack everything and the U.S. may or may not have burned some of their forts to the ground to go assist the, the forces back east. So if you are a miner or a rancher, you now have significantly less protection than you did just a little bit ago. What's the worst that could happen, you ask? Well, the Apaches start attacking anything that has a pulse. <laughs> They start with a wagon train with about 100 warriors. The wagon train itself only has about nine people. Seven are killed in the firefight. But there are two survivors initially. And I say initially because when they attempted to raise a white flag of truce, the Apaches took them, tied them upside down, and then lit a small fire underneath their heads, which obviously killed them eventually. So they were slow roasted. Yes. And when they were found, there was also evidence that they were stabbed with lances. So I don't know if that happened post-mortem. Don't know if that happened during. Pre or, if that was a pre or post. Yeah. That's nasty is what it Jeez. is. They weren't messing around. Like, even though they gave them a white flag, though. The Apache don't care about your flags. <laughs> yeah, we don't care. A rancher who apparently had an incredibly large herd, lost 400 cattle on a raid by Cochise. Another rancher claimed to lose his entire herd. Bascom, who is, again, still in the area for a little bit, is actually one of the few that can bring Cochise out into a raid. Um, those two have a little bit of a standoff and a fight, but it kind of ends up in a draw. And then Bascom also has to leave, and he's actually going to exit the picture completely because he's going to be killed in the Battle of Alverde in 1862. So Bascom, he's out. Bascom's dead. Yeah, he's he's gone. He's dead like a year later, and he's not he's not in the rest of the story. So he just kind of wiped his hands clean of Cochise, <laughs> and, and then went and that. died. And then went and died. So that's fun for him. Throughout the rest of 1861, approximately 100 civilians are killed in Arizona alone. Near Santa Fe, a woman and a child were found murdered, and the child's body was even tied up to a cart as if it was on display, which is a new level of low, uh, 
yeah, new low, new height, I guess. New height is, is this, is this something they would always do though? Like, is this not something new? Like, is, would they kill they've definitely women done and before. children? Yeah, I mean, it just happened to be Mexican, Mexican citizens, and now it's just American citizens. So, yeah, like, this isn't anything new to anyone that's known the Apaches, right? Right. Okay. So after they would raid a ranch or burn it to the ground, they would take everything else. Because if you remember, they also do not um, farm. So they need to raid in general. But now it's just a new level of violence. Now, I said that 100 civilians were killed in 1862 alone. That itself may not seem like a huge number. But between April and the rest of the year, most of the casualties per raid is between three and seven. So imagine three times a month you hear another raid, another raid has happened and another three to five people are dead. That's going to take a rack up on the brain. In fact, one Arizona newspaper actually said, quote, our prosperity has departed. The mail is withdrawn. The soldiers are gone and their garrisons burned to the ground. The miners are murdered and the mines abandoned. The stock risers and farmers have abandoned their crop and herds to the Indians and the population generally have fled. Panic struck in the naked search of refuge. From end to end, the territory is empty. You could argue that the Apache now just control the area. And I don't even think there's a counter argument to it. They are in charge. No one else is there. Okay, so is there still any type of like american forces present not yet but this is where it gets a little bit more complex because we're just about to introduce oh we're not even going to introduce them you have the civil war actually starts coming back out west into arizona and new mexico so you now have american soldiers (laughs) coming in to fight other american soldiers yeah so do you think the apaches looked around like wait what what (laughs) oh i think they probably just at some points they probably just like folded their arms oh this is great you're killing each other great you're saving us we don't have to do anything right no actually if you just pull the blade back just a little bit you can just get a little bit deeper like they're giving (laughs) they're giving them tips (laughs) now for the sake of trying to keep things separate i am going to do a U.S. history and Civil War sin. I am not going to differentiate between Confederate and Union sources. You monster! I know. Forgive me. I will. This is my bear to cross. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Cross to bear. I did cross the bear. That's not how that bear goes. <laughs> I broke a, the frame. He's crossing, he's crossing a bear right <laughs> now. You do cross you're a so, lot of You're bear. so flabbergasted with what you just said that you're I'm crossing so, a bear. I'm so disgusted with myself. <laughs> we do cross a lot of bears in this podcast, so maybe that should just be our, our, our motto. I'm going to spin this so I still sound smart. <laughs> The little iota that I have. So just as soldiers are entering back into the area, there is specifically one place that they need to control. And we touched on it last episode, but not really in brief. Apache Pass is really the only and the most convenient place to get anything through. Wagon supplies, mail, you name it. It is the best way to get through. They need to control that. Both the Union and the Confederates 
both want it and the Apache control it. Now, orders to deal with the Apache are kind of different. You have Colonel Robert Baylor's orders are to receive any Apache, even if they're under peace, and exterminate them. Just don't even deal with, like, don't even deal with peace. Kill them all. Take it. Lieutenant Colonel Kyle Edward Iyer is told to just avoid the Apache, but take control of the pass, which I would like to think Iyer was like, really? You just think we can just walk up and just take control? Okay, great. But I guess it'll work. You, you do you, bud. I'll see what I can do. You do you, boo-boo. Boo-boo, yes. With a little kiss on the little on the letter. <laughs> so Iyer does follow his commands, and he sends out a message to talk peace. And the letter gets to Cochise. And Iyer is shocked that Cochise actually shows up to talk peace. And in fact, during the gift-giving and during the talks, things are going really well, and Iyer... Already patting himself on the back. See, this is really easy. <laughs> Maybe these Apache ain't so bad. And also, why is he laughing like the guy from Home Alone? <laughs> because he, he, he thinks he's got him. Oh, he sure does. Now, unfortunately for Iyer, shortly after the meeting, they may have found the body of three soldiers. So that's not great. So then when Iyer goes to chase Cochise down, they can actually see not only are they laughing at Iyer and his men, they may have also taken some horses while they were there too. And, you know, killed a couple of them. Yeah. Complete embarrassment is what it was. It was an absolute farce from the beginning. Why you would accept this man this close, I do not understand. But Iyer, he tried, he followed orders, and it backfired on him real bad. Do you think that was kind of ballsy of Cochise, though? Because, I mean, he went in there. How did he know they weren't going to do the same thing? Well, if he was, I mean, it is a risk. But you would think if if you're Cochise and you have had control of this area for as long for over a year, yeah. there's probably a bit of arrogance and also, like, Okay, try it. And we have our own plan. So, like, I'm assuming, and also you saw at the Bascom Affair, the cut the tent, he'll make his own escape plan. Like, so, is there a, I mean, maybe we're getting, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here. Is there, like, a number two? Like, Cochise, and then, like, does he have someone that is just like him? Or how does that work? Send me your leader, and then the leader, like, strolls on in, you know? Like, nowadays, it's like, send me your leader and like all the other like people below you, you send like mm -hmm. to figure that out and then come back and tell me what they said. I mean, like all native bands or most native bands, there's no universal leader. Cochise has the most influence and he has the most people running after him. So therefore he's viewed as the leader of the Chiricahua Apaches. It's no different than like when we're talking about the Sioux and red cloud, there are multiple bands of the Apache that we haven't even talked about. Like, for example, Victorio leads the Ojo Caliente band. Well, they will partner up with Cochise in just a little bit here. Now, does that mean that Victorio is number two? Not really. He leads his own bands and he's working with Cochise. Cochise might be leading the battle plan, but 
I just didn't know if like, cause you, you know, like every bad guy in a story has like an underling right under him, the number two. Right. So I don't know if there was a guy that was always by his side. That was like the uh, guy, the, the guy that everyone is like, if coaches isn't there, this guy is, I mean, I guess who the closest I can think of is Mangus Coloradus, his father-in-law. Okay. But it's almost the opposite. It's not like the number two. It's like Mangus is his mentor and also a very well-respected chief. So he's kind of like uh, advising. He's he's like an advisor. Yeah, more than advisory. We'll talk about it in a bit. But yeah, he's definitely doing more okay. than advising. But he's he's definitely there and giving okay. advice. So now that peace talk with Cochise over Apache Pass have completely failed with Iyer, it still doesn't fix the problem that the Apache control Apache Pass. So they need to fix that. Now, Cochise understands that the Americans want Apache Pass, and he just leaves his scouts out to look for them. Now, he sees the Americans possibly as early as San Pedro, as the San Pedro River in July 1862, but he doesn't directly attack there. In fact, he's going to let them continue up until they can take the high ground and hide. And that place is where they strategize is called Dragoon Springs. Once the Americans get to Dragoon, Dragoon Springs, the Apache launch their attack. Now they have the high ground. So you have to picture all of the Americans kind of in like this little bowl and this valley, right? And they're running up towards Cochise. No other. Well, yeah. So the soldiers are basically going to be pinned down is what's going right. to happen. I mean, you so, can't. Yeah, yeah, I guess you can't run uphill. That's you're just dead. And, and there's trees and like, so it's it's very ga- hard to gauge where they actually at. Now, Cochise has about 200 warriors. And from what I can tell, there's about 150 to, let's say, 175 men in the American uh, Legion, whatever. We're, I don't know the exact termination. I didn't write it down. But there's about 150 to 175 Americans that they're battling. So it's a pretty even fight. But the Except Apache... They're on high ground. <laughs> they're on high ground, and they have the element of surprise. But it turns out the Apache, for all of their raiding, they're not the best at attacking American soldiers. Because they do what... And Matt, you probably know this better than I would. But what is one thing they train you when you're shooting down at an opponent? Oh, you got to... I mean, I would aim a little bit up, or yeah. no, down, down yeah. reverse, down it. You'd you'd yeah. aim a little bit lower. You'd aim much lower because you're going. You if you are inexperienced, you are likely going to over. Do they have rifles? Yeah. Do the do. rifles, okay. bows, pistols? You they have it. I mean, you're gonna because I was gonna say if it was just bows, like you definitely want to aim lower though because those things are gonna be sailing. Yep, the Apache are shooting, but. Hardly ever missing a target. So of the 200 that are suddenly launching their attack, there's only about one casualty and two other wounded. Or so one death and two wounded. In the out of everything? Volley. Out of the opening volley. Oh my Not God. exactly the sudden attack that you would like. You would like something a little bit more than that for your surprise attack, right? <laughs> surprise! What, 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 what's the surprise? <laughs> right. Oh, this is, oh, this is unpleasant. This is, <laughs> this is, un, this is unpleasant. <laughs> Just duck boys. Like this is not that hard. I don't know. Are we in real danger? Keep filling up the tantines. Not exactly the reaction the Apache want. However, the Apache also don't 
do a good job of like regrouping. So the Americans are able to actually come at them with bayonets, which forces them to flee. So overall, it's not great. However, it gets a little worse for the Apache. During the opening shots, Private John Teal had his horse shot out from under him. And as he's taking cover from behind his dead horse, Teal gets his sight on an Apache chief <gasps> and pulls the trigger. And kills him. Well, he thinks he did, but he does hit the Apache and the Apache flee towards the fallen chief and then take him away. John Teal had just shot Mangus Coloradus in the chest. Oh, no. His father-in-law. Who's like 70 years old. Who I literally just said, does he have a right-hand man? Yeah. Good segue, Matt. Again, I sometimes wonder if you look at my notes. <laughs> we even said as much in the last couple of episodes, but what a great segue you gave me. I was so happy. So he got shot in the chest. So I'm assuming he didn't make it. This is Mangus Coloradus. He does make it. Now he's hurting. He's out for a while. So he makes it out of the battle alive yeah. or he yeah. makes it. Mangus like... survives. Okay. Yeah. Mangus is still alive. Now and he gets healed and everything. Yes, he does. Holy crap. The tough old bird, that Mangus. Do you In remember what his name means? Do you remember what his name means? Uh, no. He was the one that uh, they didn't know if it was because he wore a red shirt or if his blood, if his shirt oh, was stained with the blood of his enemies. Right. Yep, that's that's right. I, for, I remember that. Now. Yes. You don't mess with He's also like 6'4", 250, probably does the tombstone pile driver. Just is a very, very big man, very scary. He's going to do what he wants to. Imagine the morale blow to the Apache. Because losing this stand, the Americans can basically just walk into Apache Pass and take it. And so they, it's theirs now. It's now the, in possession of the Americans. And they just lost Mangus for a while. I wonder what um, Cochise was thinking. You know, well, when he, he was, sees, uh, you know, Mangus freaking coming out with a freaking, like, go down, you know? I mean, he's thinking, because there is a definite switch in Cochise at this point, because he realizes even with 200, he cannot stand up to the Americans on a real fight. So now he has to go, he has to explicitly just do raids because he can't, like, if this was his shot to do it, if he was going to take them out, this would have been, this would have been about the size of Custer's last stand. A little bit smaller, but. So you think if Mangus Coloradus wouldn't have went down, do you think, and, and the Apache won that fight, it would have been something completely different outcome? No, I mean, I think you saw from the opening volley that the Apache were not ready for a for battle. what they what ended They're, up happening. Like, I think what we've seen in this podcast is the Apache again, the Apache and like the Sioux, the Shant, whoever it is, they don't do well in one on one fighting. They have to small parties attack quickly and leave. Right. Their their form of victory is going on a raid. So essentially, you go in, inflict your damage, and then come back. You're not. And then like the American version of victory is hold the ground. If you hold the ground, we win. And right. that's not, that's not the best way for native Americans to win a fight. Inflict, go home. 
come back, inflict, go home. So again, Coach East now realizes he has to go back to big rate, small rates. He can't continue to uh, to fight the Americans one-on-one. Mangus, on the other hand, definitely has some time to think. <laughs> and he's thinking, I'm an old man. I do not want to fight anymore. I have been fighting. You know, I bet that shot to the chest really hurt. Yeah. And he was probably like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm too I mean, quite frankly, I'm too old for this. Beep. Like it was. That's it. Can't do it anymore. So Mangus kind of takes a step back from the rating. Coach East is still raiding. He really kind of uses this time to regroup and he raids in Mexico because again, grading in Mexico is just what they do in their off time. But Mangus is looking for peace talks and he even starts making overtures to the Americans. Now, unbeknownst to Mangus, the standing orders for any Apache uh, that wants peace is to just kill them. That is now the standing orders for both. I wonder if that's because of what Cochise did. You know, I might be related. It just might be. Hey, remember that time we invited you to freaking... (laughs) And you kill people and stole a bunch of our horses? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to come back to you. Yeah, sure is. When Mangus sends out his letters, he does so, and they reach the desk of two men. One is named West... And the other is named Swilling. And they get those letters by the end of 1862. Both of them are very, very happy to accept Mangus into camp to talk. They would love to talk with Mangus. Wouldn't it be great as they're evilly petting their cats? Are they both on the same page, though? They're both, yes. Like, they both want to talk. Like, none of them actually want to talk. Correct. Because the standing orders come from a man named Carlton, and I'm trying to decide if Carlton's going to get his own episode. He probably will, but um, Carlton is more or less dealing with the Comanches at this point, and we haven't even touched on the Comanches yet, so I don't want to open up that bag of words, but Carlton himself is a prick but he's also a really efficient prick and his standing orders to west and swilling are to kill kill on command so anyway back to mangus mangus and swilling and west exchange letters until the end of 1862 and when mangus finally steps foot in camp west and swilling immediately arrest him now for any soldier that was in the camp Swilling makes it very obvious because he gives a speech in front of everyone. Oh, I'm sorry. It's West that actually gives a speech, not Swilling. Either way, it doesn't matter. West gives up in front of the men and says, men, he says, quote, men, that old murderer has gotten away from every soldier command and left a trail of blood 500 miles from the top of the old stage line. I want him dead or alive tomorrow morning. He would then continue to then say, quote, do you understand? I want him dead. You understand? Dead. Just in case. Forget that alive part I just said. Just dead. Get it over with. How old is Mangus? 70, 71 at this point. 72. Yeah, real, real threat. 
He's a big threat, that 70-year-old man. Now, they take Mangus in captivity and place him under the guard of two men. They order him to the ground and they give him one blanket to sleep. And keep in mind, it's January. So he's probably freezing. Oh, but don't worry. They're keeping him warm. Do you want to know how they're keeping him warm? They may be putting their bayonets in the fire and then they press it up against his leg. (laughs) Oh, man. Open torture, huh? Yeah. Now, as soon as Mangus, who it sounds like he was just kind of taking it, once he has enough, he raises himself up to one elbow. He's laying on a stomach. He raises up to one elbow. And at that instant, they shoot him dead. So is he just like, hey, boom. Yes. As soon as he gets up to protest, that was it. That was all they needed. Now, in the official documents, they would say that he tried to release. uh, He tried to escape three times that night. Hmm, I wonder why. Could it have been because, you know, (laughs) he was getting burned? (laughs) Yeah. You know, obviously they leave that part out. But like, where? how fast is he going? Like. I picture he's 70, 71 years old, like getting up, just bones cracking. I mean, dude was shot in the chest. Not too long before that. That man is a beast. Like I want to give him his own episode, but I don't know what else we would cover that we haven't covered in these last two episodes. And we just did talk about his dead death. So we did. Yes. That wouldn't be a surprise how he died, but what it just sounded like he was like the Hulk before the Hulk. Like he was a very impressive man. So now Cochise has a new vendetta because now his father-in-law has been killed. How did he hear about it? Don't tell me I they mean, like strung I mean, him up or whatever. Or did he just get like word? Um, Actually, I, th- I mean, it ends up being... Maybe don't quote me on this because I'm trying to pull back in my brain what actually they do with Mangus. I think they actually use his head or his brain as like a science project. Like, you know, like they remove the brain and the head and they put it on display. Yeah. They, put they, it they, in a big tub of water or something. It kind of like that. Um, I believe that's been lost, but they believe it's at the Smithsonian somewhere. <laughs> I really have to look that up. His brain. I will put I will put a link up once I actually find uh find where I had that but I if I remember right it's they think it's in the Smithsonian somewhere <laughs> like his brain or his head is somewhere Where did I put that brain Yeah which also be around here somewhere which is also forgets a uh, rather disturbing question about the Smithsonian <laughs> Yeah uh, like <laughs> if you lose a brain that implies you have multiple that you're able to lose <laughs> How many do you have in there? But yes, I think that's what happens with Magnus. Uh, If anyone knows the actual story before I put the link up, please just leave it in the comments. We'll put it on the show. I would, you know, go from there. Anyway, back to Cochise. Um, Within weeks that Magnus is murdered, Apache scouts start uh, scouting the fort that he was killed at, which is called Fort Bowie. It is at Apache Pass. I did fail to mention that. Mere weeks after Mangus is murdered, the raids start. So it is now March 1863, and with a frustrating lack of detail, however, I don't know how much I would be able to say otherwise, the raids do not stop for two years, and they continue through 1865. 
so he's just going full full on we're not stopping until they're dead or gone or whatever it is constant attacks raid after raid after raid after raid until you want to throw up are people dying you dang right they are (laughs) on both sides or just not necessarily on the apache there are on the apache because you also have like you do have the u.s soldiers trying to find them they're failing for the most part but you know a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while you take out some of them and go on but i mean like that stat that i quoted earlier that three to seven just imagine every time there's a raid three to seven people three die. to seven three to seven and this is non-stop for you said two years two years but i mean really throughout the rest of the decade um Good now, god it's not all the chiricahua which is cochise's band um and it's not all in the united states because again once once the apache needs supplies uh their walmart is mexico and they will just keep raiding the Mexicans because they, they think it's very easy to do. And apparently it was. And apparently it is easy. Yeah. <laughs> for now. For now. Is Cochise getting stronger and stronger as well as the years yeah. go on? Or is it about the same? It's difficult to tell because... We're not too far, not to spoil anything, we're not too far off where Cochise is starting to think of peace. Starting to. He's going to. So he's even starting to be like, I think it's time we hang it up. He's flirting. He's flirting with the idea. Now he's still like 90%, I'm going to kill everyone. (laughs) But it's, he has to start thinking about it. Now that can be a sign of he has to take care of families that are in his band. That could be a sign of he doesn't have warriors to fight. It could also be he has also been fighting for an incredible amount of time. He's not a spring chicken anymore because if you remember, he's he may have been born around 1810. We're now approaching 1870. So he's like in his late 50s, early 60s. Yeah. And I don't care if you keep winning. Fighting gets old. Yes, it does. I don't know it because I've I mean, I've been into not very many fights in my life and even those i i think they're more tussles than fights but but yeah i mean there's there's some signs there's some cracks in the coach east army at least that's rumored though that's rumored though you said oh yeah i mean you can you can make um educated guesses it's very plausible okay yes now that's just the chiricahua you still have the Badanka, you still have the Ojo Caliente, you have Victoria, which by the way, we're not talking about Victorio a whole lot. Um, Victorio could also get his own episode if I haven't mentioned him yet this episode. Um, there's there's so much going on. And also, we're still in the 1860s. Uh, we haven't talked, we haven't approached Tombstone yet. We've been in this area the entire time. Haven't had to mention Doc Holliday or Wyatt Earp. <laughs> All of that is still happening in a couple couple years, by the way. 15 to be exact. Yeah. Things are happening in the uh, that area, huh? The American Southwest is nuts. It's insane. <laughs> Every time I look around a corner, there's a new, like, incredible story to go dive into. <laughs> and then, like, six hours later, I'm like, oh, crap, I'm still covering Cochise. And, that, yeah, it's unbelievable how much there is. 
But anyway, more to come on that because we're, we're going to be in Arizona for a bit. So you know how we just talked about the Apache's Walmart was Mexico? Yes. Well, and you said out, for now. Yeah, hmm. well, um, it turns out Mexico, they're doing a little better than they were when they were just a startup country. Like, they're no longer worried about what's happening in Mexico City. You have the two Mexican states, Sonora and Chihuahua. For whatever reason, they had never thought to, like, coordinate their peace talks with the Apache. So, like, we had just been joking about, once they would make a deal with Sonora, they would go raid uh, Chihuahua, and then vice versa. Well, somebody had to think and thought, maybe let's not do that. Huh? So now Sonora and Chihuahua are banding together and hunting the, the Apache together. So Cochise now has the Americans angry at him. And now the Mexicans are actually kind of a threat. They're a little bit harder to deal with than they were before. And for anyone that knows anything about war, a two-front attack is so hard to fight against. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> when I you have to fight two fronts, you're like, oh, crap. I have to thin out everything. Yay, this is so much fun. Yeah, so, I mean, and just to give you an idea of the attitude that the Mexicans are having, uh, they would call peace with the Apaches, quote, a utopia and an unrealistic project. So there's not much to negotiate there. They don't think there's ever going to be peace then? No. <laughs> no, they do I not. mean, to be fair, Coachy's kind of brought that on himself a little bit. Yeah. I think this is going to be the fun debate that we have at the end of this episode. Because there's a lot to, to unpack here, as we <laughs> would say, at every cheesy corporate uh, conference. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Look, let's go ahead and start unpacking. <laughs> <laughs> it's a large suitcase. Now, the Americans, you might say, are the Americans starting to soften up on them? On their thoughts on the Apache. Well, the Americans, specifically West, you know West, the man that just said, I want Mangus dead. Do you yeah. understand me? Yeah. Um, he would say something like, quote, I do not look forward to any peace with them except for what they must command. They must have no voice in the matter. The entire subjugation or destruction of the men are the alternatives. So, yeah, he hates them. Yeah. He doesn't want anything to do with them. He wants them dead. Dead. So That's too bad. Again, your two front scenario is a very real thing for coaches at this time. Well, no one wants peace. <laughs> now, what the Apaches have going for them, and I've barely touched on this, is nobody can actually find them. They're very good at going at incredibly long distances and then high and covering up their trails. So it's all fun and games to say you're going to find the Apache, but they haven't been able to do it. And if you remember the Mexicans and even going back to the Spanish Empire, they had been trying to do it since the 1700s. And it is now 1865 to 1867 ish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can't. <laughs> so they just can't find them. No, they can't. So that's the one thing that the Apache have going for them. But Cochise understands things need to change very quickly. If they want to survive. Yes. By October 1865, after numerous overtures by the Americans, Cochise just kind of just shows up to an American camp wanting to talk peace. 
<laughs> yeah. His appearance, his presence is so out of the blue. Now they had been, you know, talking ish, but like, if you were talking to coach East, would you really believe him? Like, yeah, he wants to talk peace. How about Iyer? Do you want to talk about how he last talked with peace with you when he killed three of your men and took your horses? Right. I'm not believing him. So when he just shows up out of the blue, um, the man in charge of the camp was so dumbfounded. He didn't know if he had the authority to accept him. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No, no. Go back up, back up, back up. I'm just the cook. I'm just wait the here. cook. Wait I here. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Please don't kill me. Now, what the man does is he uh, he tells Cochise, come back in 12 days and I'll, I'll get whoever is in charge to be here and we'll talk. Okay, just please just come back in 12 days. That sounds great. So Cochise leaves. But wouldn't you know it, in those 12 days, an army regiment found an Apache Rancheria and raided it and killed seven Chiricahuas. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, the army may have found stolen goods from murdered families as well as stolen army supplies. So that peace overture that Cochise just flirted with, that ain't happening now. Happen. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Cochise biographer Edwin R. Sweeney is very quick to point out that there's likely no sustainable peace talk to this point because, honestly, Cochise really hasn't been beaten. He just kind of knows things have changed. So for anything substantive to happen at this point, Sweeney doesn't believe it was going to happen anyway. So right. maybe, maybe it was another ploy. Who really knows? Cochise is kind of a hard man to pin down. Even though there is no peace agreement, it is, we'll say, less chaotic throughout 1867, 1868, 1869, largely as Cochise tries to raid in Mexico. But again, that isn't going well anymore and trying to maybe figure out a peace with the Americans. But again, nobody can actually find the Apache. Now, this is where I'm going to enter a new character. Dun, a, new, dun, 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 dun. a new person to our story. Player three entering the building. His name, player three, is Tom Jeffords. Tom Jeffords is a former scout and a mail carrier. Now, nice. yeah. Now, why are we why are we bringing in the U.S. Postal Service? <laughs> Um, well, it turns out Jeffords was in charge of a mail route, and over the last 16 months, he had lost like 14 mail carriers to Apache raids. <laughs> Jeez. So he's a bit understaffed. <laughs> <laughs> Those sons of mother. And if you have if you're a manager currently in this in this time period, you know staffing issues suck. <laughs> And, you know, when a work hazard is possibly murdered by the Apache, people really don't want to sign up for your job. He I just passed background, damn it. <laughs> well, now he's buried in the ground. <laughs> so Jeffords, he's a man of ambition. So he just thinks, well, I'm just going to go talk to Cochise. 
And I'm sure the army was like, okay, <laughs> listen to this guy. Okay. Good job. Okay, Tom, you do whatever <laughs> the hell you want. So Jeffords uh, goes and he finds Cochise by himself. That's so funny. No one in the last half century has been able to track down this man, but a mail carrier <laughs> is able to just go find him on a casual stroll. It seems like I'm sure because uh, correct me if they changed it, but wasn't he allowing mail to come through the pass quite often? Uh, he was until it got lost. And now like, Oh, okay. Because I was gonna say they probably had like they probably knew like the routes and so I mean they probably knew the area really really well. Well, also keep in mind, just because Apache Pass is controlled by the Americans doesn't mean that the Apaches aren't trying to try to take it back once right. in a while. It's not that and they're still there. The threat of hey, look, a single person walking by himself. Well, he's good as dead, right? So yeah, so Jeffords just. You know, wants to go talk to Cochise. And he has like the most nonchalant way. Now, this is a direct quote from him from years later. This is Jefford saying why he wanted to go find Cochise. And a picture him with like a, a cigarette smoking it all cool, like mm -hmm. quote, I made up my mind. I wanted to go see him. I had acquired a smattering of knowledge of the Indian language and went into his camp alone, fully armed. Dude just went into his camp with a gun and talked to Cochise. What's up, Cochise? What you doing, bud? Cochise is so impressed that the two actually start a friendship. <laughs> and it actually is like, Jeffords is like the first American or first like non-Apache he has trusted in probably his lifetime. So this is actually a really big moment. So... Thank you, Postal Carrier. You did it. Jeffords comes back, somehow not murdered, probably to the shock and everyone's jaw on the ground by the U.S. military. And he's like, yeah, I just talked to him. Seems like a good guy. He's not too far off. He's just like over the hill over there. Hey, did you find him? <laughs> well, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, I left out the best detail. Tom Jeffords has flaming red hair and a flaming red beard. <laughs> that's awesome we found jimmy oh my god what has he been doing that's what he's been doing all these years this is post-civil war this is like 1869 he is jimmy. straight up said i'm done <laughs> i'm done with custer and his bull spit and i'm going to arizona and he talked to coaches but that he, is so funny now when jeffords gets back into camp kind of already alluded to this uh, when he tells everyone, like, yeah, I found him, what's the big deal? The U.S. military suddenly had pretty big interest in Tom Jeffords. And, like, by the way, w where did you find him? We would also like to have a chat, please. And Jeffords basically just shows them where he's at. And they have and the U.S. Army, for the first time in ever, is in the Apache camp. So he didn't move, like... Uh, uh, Coaches didn't make any effort to move after he left or anything like that. Not, not that I can tell. He okay. just kind of stood there, which probably leads you to believe how uh, how bad it was in his camp. Yeah, he might not have had the ability to move. So when the U.S. Army pull up to the Apache camp, that had to have been alarming to everyone 
probably Buck Cochise because I'm assuming he had a pretty good heads up. But I mean, from what I can tell, it was just kind of an unannounced thing because it's not like the military was, you know, they were on talking terms with him. Right. So when Cochise finally meets with the army, he has a fairly lengthy quote, but it's kind of worth covering. So I'm going to just try to go into it. Now, this is a very, it's probably two or three paragraphs long. I only have about a paragraph of it. I kind of edited where I need to. So keep that in mind too. Um, But we're going to pick up the speech when an officer named Perry at states why he is here to see the chief and Cochise interrupts him and says, you mean to kill me or any of my tribe? That is what your visits mean to me. I tried the Americans once and they broke the treaty first. The officers, I mean, this was at the pass. Now he's talking about the Basque affair. If that isn't obvious to anyone. Right. If I stop in, he means if I'm going to stop in and talk peace to your, to your reservations, if I stop in, I must be treated right. I don't expect they will treat us right. I won't stay for a good one. This is no place for Indians. They die after being there for a short time. I will go into a good one and talk to you after I hear how you will treat the Indians there. But even then, that's not going great because, again, the Americans have other things to deal with with the Civil War, or at least they did back then. Cochise then went on to state that he lost many people, both through fighting and sickness, that he is open and that he is also open to further talks. Now, in the meantime, he will send two scouts to check out the reservations, and he may come in in two months if he is satisfied that he and the Chiricahuas would be treated properly. And you will be shocked to know that they were treated properly. No, (laughs) they will be shocked to know that after that two month window, um, Cochise did not appear. What? Where was he? He just disappeared into the mountains again. Jimmy Jeffords couldn't find him, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Dang it, Jimmy. You found him once. Why can't you do it again? Now, with this brief, we'll call it flirtation with peace, Cochise has made his stance known. I'm willing to come in if you treat me right, but I don't think you're going to. He knows shows the two-month appearance. So then there needs to be more violence. For the next two years, the battle and the violence get so bad, the Secretary of War sends ammunition not just to soldiers, but to citizens, to the territory. Jeez. Yeah, you're going out there, you're going to need this. (laughs) Here is your cache of weapons. Here's a Red Dead 2 redemption amount worth of ammunition. Good luck with those Apaches. They're going to kill you. Now, it needs to be said, there's a lot more going on than Cochise and the Chiricahuas. 
a lot of these raids are from Victorio and Geronimo. And it, it's not just Cochise, but Cochise is the name that everyone is focused on. So with that celebrity, he obviously gets that punished on. He gets that pushed on. Um, the violence continues until August 1870. When Cochise, and tell me if you've heard this before, wants to talk peace. <laughs> guys, 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 guys. This time I'm serious. No, 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 but seriously. And this one was also kind of out of the blue because the officer in charge also doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know if he should accept him. He doesn't know if he should attack or what he should do. The officer is just kind of winging it, but he does decide to let Cochise come in. And he does something even smarter because he also allows Cochise to come and go as he pleases. Why no one has done this before, I think you can understand. But when he just willingly walks up and walks out, you need to build some trust because you need a lot more than Tom Jeffords, who, again, those two still have a pretty good rep, like a pretty good friendship going off. Everyone else, Cochise doesn't trust. So this officer letting him come and go freely, brilliant. Gold star for him. However, it did lead to a lot of bad press, we will say. Because it's not like the raids are completely started, completely stopped, and it's not like the Apache or the Chiricahuas have stopped raiding as well. So when Cochise is allowed and they actually set up a peace conference, Cochise is the first one to rise and say, quote, I want to talk first. I have come to hear that you want to talk. If the government talks straight, I want a good peace. My people hide in the mountains and arroyos to keep out of the way. I want the truth told. A man is only only has one mouth, and if he won't tell the truth, he has to put that one out of the way. Cochise then again pledges that his people will not attack during the negotiation. However, he just can't control the other bands. But he would go back up into the mountains and to see if he could stop any of the raids from happening. Which kind of tells you, Either A, Cochise is lying, or he doesn't have all that much control over the situation anymore. So again, with Cochise able to walk back and forth, he goes back up into the mountains, has talks with his people, and then comes back down. Now, the peace docs do have a stall when the reservationist system is brought up. He said that the Apaches were like the coyotes, and they didn't want to be panned up onto a reservation. At the end of these talks, Cochise then goes back up to the mountains, and with no peace treaty in, plea, in place, the Americans just wait. And then they wait. And then they realize that maybe a ranch has just been burned down to the ground. He did it again. He did it to us again. <laughs> Son of a, this is like Tom and Jerry, but with more murder. Did when he really they, do that with the ranch, though? Oh yeah, they I don't whether it was the Chiricahua or not. Uh, you don't know, but there was definitely raids still continuing, and Kochi oh, stopped showing back no. up. Oh, the reservations were brought up. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Fool me three times. I'm just an idiot. I mean, we're a. Fifth, sixth, seventh. I mean, we've talked about at least four failed peace negotiations with this man. 
in like five years, it's becoming just an ongoing joke at this point. Now, at this point, someone at their desk is wringing a sheet of paper super hard and tearing out their hair because every time they think they have Cochise, he goes up into the mountains and then magically a ranch is burned. What a coincidence. So now leadership needs to change. So they send in someone we have talked about very briefly before, George Crook. Do you remember George Crook? I remember the name. I can't remember who he is. He was in Custer's episode. He was at the Battle of the Rosebud, which was before the Battle of Little Bighorn. Again, we I could also say it's a drinking game at this point. George Crook could also get his own episode. We'll see if he does or not, because I think where he's going to get covered completely in everyone else's episode. But George Crook wasn't necessarily against uh, native rights. Like he didn't necessarily believe they were all evil, which is quite rare. He does believe in a carrot and stick mentality to where if you do what I want you to, I will treat you with proper respect. However, if you leave the reservation or do something I don't want you to do, I will hunt you down and kill you without mercy. <laughs> um, please do what I ask and we're fine, but I will hunt you down. Like a sir. I will hunt you down like a sir. Crook comes in and he isn't wasting any time. Around February 1870, he makes a proclamation that by February 16th, all Apaches need to be on the reservation or else. I should also mention he made this proclamation on February 7th, which gives them how many days? Nine. Nine. Nine, nine. nine whole days to get on the reservation or else. Now, you might think, why is Crook so confident that if they don't show up, he's going to be able to find them? Well, the answer is simple. Other than Tom Jeffords, the Americans haven't had good luck finding the Apache because for whatever reason, nobody believed that they should be hiring the Apache to hunt Apache. George Crook has the remarkable idea to just hire them and they will help you find them. And they do. What a concept. <laughs> So what, were there some Apache that were just, like, solo? No, they were on the reservation already. Oh, duh. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they duh. they had a perfectly good Chiricahua, or a perfectly good Apache just sitting there, and they were, didn't do anything about hey, it. Hey, you want to make a couple bucks? Oh, okay. <laughs> so now with George Crook, hot on his tail, Cochise, again, has been fighting for over a decade, has 60 warriors left. Oh, my God. That's so small. That's tiny. And they now have to start resorting to killing their horses for food. Uh, they've been reduced to nothing. Uh, so it, it's time to talk peace for the fifth time this episode. But this time, and I promise, I promise you, Matt, I'm looking at your <laughs> eye. I promise you. It's for realsies this time. It's, it's going to happen, right? It's happening right I now. I hope so. With the help of Tom Jeffords, they finally catch Cochise on February on September 28, 1872, when Cochise finally steps foot on the agency. 
Now the debate is now going to start. <laughs> they have him like Cochise is no longer going to run. I'm not kidding you anymore. Like he's it's it's 1870. The man is over 60. I don't want to give too much away, but he ain't living for too much longer. Now the debate is where the Apache are going to stay. So now that Cochise is talking, Cochise really wants to stay at Canada Alamosa, which is where Apache Pass has been, or it is where Apache Pass is. So Canada Alamosa is the big area that he would like to stay. However, the problem isn't necessarily with that, is that there is an Indian agent named Croiler, who is the most typical bureaucrat ever. Croiler argues that the improvement of Apache Pass, again, the place the Apache have been staying for decades, well, that it would simply be too expensive to fix. So why not just move the Apache upstate? Well, in a place that uh, is called Tularosa Valley. Do you want to know what respected historian Robert Utley has described the Tularosa Valley as? <laughs> Please tell me. High, cold, sterile, and unhealthy. Sounds like four, a five-star resort. And Croiler's like, yeah, that would be better. It would be less expensive to upkeep, and we already have people there. So if you don't go... We're just not going to hand you the rations we just promised you. Oh, I'm sorry. You're eating your horses now. Wouldn't it be too bad if we took those rations away? Just as it looks like there's going to be another set of violence. President Grant. Again, the president of the United States says the Apaches can just stay at Canada Alamosa. For God's sake, Croiler, shut the F <laughs> up. <laughs> do you not understand what these people can do? Well, at least they can stay for the time being, but they're going to be removed. In fact, they're going to be removed around April 1872 is the date. They don't know where yet, but they're going to be moved. They're not just going to be able to stay at Apache Pass. Next in the negotiation, we need to enter. Oh, Jesus Christ, there's so many people in this episode. We need to enter one final person, and his name is Oliver Otis Howard. Howard is a Civil War veteran and well-respected Brigadier General who lost his arm during a campaign. He's also a very pious, very moral person. But he also wants to negotiate. So in this cameo that Oliver Otis Howard is going to have, he's talking with Cochise, who again has not signed any document and made an agreement with the Americans. Howard and Cochise do the impossible and they find a place that is suitable for both. <gasps> dun, 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 dun. Now it's not Apache Pass, but it's Apache Pass adjacent. Now, part of the issue is it's like, I don't know, five feet from Mexico. <laughs> Does some of it go into Mexico? It seems like it, or it may as well have. 
because as soon as the Apache move in to this new reservation, the small agency, which by the way, is headed up by Tom Jeffords, like they're really just like kissing Cochise's butt here because Jeffords is the agent. It's right by Mexico. It's right by Apache Pass. Well, wouldn't you know it that the raids may have started happening in Mexico again? And Cochise doesn't even deny it. When he is approached by it, he simply just says uh, something to the tune of, I made peace with the Americans. I didn't make peace with the Mexicans. <laughs> so what do they say? Oh, the Mexicans are angry, but they're not the only ones that are angry. Howard has his agreement, and they're going there. But Crook is furious. Well, he's angry because Howard is letting the the natives leave at will, which is making Crook look weak. Because again, Crook is the strong, I'll give you the carrot or the stick. If you do what I say, I will respect right. you. If you don't do what I say, I will hit you with an iron hammer. For them just to leave and raid it, please, makes him look weak. And it's also really making the Mexicans look, mm, it's really making them angry. So a brooding uh, American, so a brooding international incident is starting to happen. Just as all of this is coming to a head, it's becoming between 1873 in 1874 all 1873 is is a pissing contest between crook and howard but crook has one card to play up his sleeve nothing between howard and cochise was written down now they're already on the agency by the way but crook has a card that we have nothing official let's move them no and now it's 1874, and Cochise is on his deathbed. Son of a gun. Now, I'm not kidding you. In the middle of this very important should I stay, are we staying, are we going, Cochise is dying. An official named Dudley actually tries to talk to Cochise while he is laying, <laughs> while he is laying there. And Cochise is so sick, he says he is going to default his answer to his oldest son named Taza. Now, we haven't talked about Taza a lot, but he is the one Cochise has been grooming to take over. But if it's up to Cochise, he lets Dudley know that he would like to stay here. When Dudley goes back to headquarters, he may have, may or not have talked to Taza at all, and he may have put in his papers that, yeah, I think the Chiricahua are ready to move. Oh, no. As it turns into June 1874, the old warrior has nothing left. And he actually asked to see his old friend, Tom Jeffers. And they have a nice little exchange between each other. When Jeffers enters his tent and they start up a conversation, Cochise asks Jeffers, do you think you will ever see me again? Jeffers said, no, I do not think I will. I think tomorrow night you will be dead. Cochise replied, yes, I think so too. About 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Do you think we will ever meet again? Jeffers then said, 
I don't know. What is your opinion on it? Coaches, I've been thinking a good deal of it while I have been sick here. I believe we will. Good friends will meet again. Up there, as he pointed towards the sky. And that next morning, Cochise did die. Likely of stomach type cancer or dyspepsia. And that is Cochise. What happens? So do the Apaches move then? That is for Geronimo's episode. Geronimo! Yeah. Are you sad to see the old man go? God, he lived a long life. How old was he? Do you know? 70s? Yeah, in his 60s, 70s. Late 60s, early 70s. A lot of fighting, though. An ungodly amount of fighting. Okay. Now we will rank him. Rank, rank, rank. Rank, 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 rank. What? Make that stick, aren't you? First round called Are You Satisfied? This is our bag for round. We will be handing out negative 10 points apiece to positive 10 points apiece, depending on how well we liked his story. Matt, it's a long story. It was a violent story. How well did you like it? Oh, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, I liked it. I can't remember who else it was, but I liked it more for the story, not necessarily the the dude. Right. Um, even though Cochise actually was pretty interesting. I mean, how <laughs> he must have came in with the like the puppy dog look those four or five times of talking about peace. Like, I swear, I'm wondering the whole time you were talking, I'm wondering if it was I, I was wondering if it was. Did he actually want peace, but just didn't know or didn't want to show the humility of like giving up? So he like backed out last second. I mean, obviously they raided stuff and people died and whatnot, but only one man knows, I guess. I don't know. He is a mystery. I do. This is this is high praise coming so well for me my my praise doesn't matter but in the context of who i highly regard he reminds me the most of tecumseh than anyone we've covered i think on the other side though i do too i was gonna bring that up if tecumseh was a jedi he is definitely a sith I was about to say, there is way too much murder for us to give positive points here. <laughs> I don't well, think we can do positive. I'm curious. I'm I'm always going to wonder, too, about Felix. Like, if that dude would have just let him go, would the bloodshed have been, a lot of the bloodshed been avoided? Well, we're likely going to have an, ep- well, are we going to have an episode on him? He ends up changing his name to Mickey Free. He ends up becoming an Apache scout, uh, ends up living with the Apaches for a while, then becomes part of the military. And it's it's a really big, really good story. Um, I don't know how much new is going to be covered on his episode, but he might get one. He probably will get one. So we can cover Mickey Free later. Um, But yes, I don't. I don't know. That was kind of Cochise's flashpoint. Now, he probably would have just died a warrior's death, I would think. Probably in Mexico. Who knows? Who knows what that timeline looks like without the Bascom affair? But there is a very definite 
point in his life where he turns on the Americans. Where I am taking points away, though, is because he didn't enter the story until halfway through. Right? Yeah. So overall, though, I thought it was pretty interesting and uh, kind of a change of pace. We were kind of staying in the, you know, the plains for a long time and like the Midwest. And um, I mean, we did go to the Alamo, but that's Texas and that's basically a whole other country. Let's be real. Um, <laughs> shout out to our Texas listeners. Hi, Roberto. Um, <laughs> um, so overall, I'm going to do, I'm going to grade negative six and a half. Negative six. You gave that same score to Doc Holiday. Really? I did. I wasn't a big fan of Doc Holiday, if I remember correctly. I mean, you weren't thrilled. I liked him, but I just wasn't thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I do. I like. I do like Cochise. I do. I'm not positive. I can't score again. Too much murder to go positive. Uh, I'm gonna go slightly higher than that or lower i'm gonna go negative seven because there's a lot we don't know but it's also that mystery kind of works for him because he doesn't have his own portrait he doesn't like the apache by tradition don't talk about death or people who have died which makes it incredibly frustrating to like talk about these people but that's fine we got through it you can definitely tell when the American sources started chipping in, because as soon as the Basketball Affair starts, then there's it's well documented what Coach East is doing. Not all the time, but there's definitely something there. Where episode one, it was like, I don't know, maybe his name was Cheese for a while and he was tracked that way. Well, it is cool too that they were never like, they couldn't find him for the longest. Mm. Like until, who knows, he probably wanted to be found. He was actually like raising a flag. Do you think he had that Harry Potter invisibility cloak? Yeah. Or he set a spell to just put a whole freaking mirror. They, yeah, they had a blanket just over the entire camp. His best but friend. But it is crazy too that it went from at one point when they were sh- when they had the high ground, you said it was like 200. Yeah, 200 Apache. All the way down to 60. Well, that was a combined force, too. And you got to think like you had warriors come of age and then die. Yeah. Also, back to the Harry Potter point. Uh, Cochise's best friend was a redheaded person. Mm-hmm. Harry Ron! Potter. <laughs> was, so, did anyway. he still have his wife when he died? He, uh, he, mm-hmm. I don't How know. How much I was think, said about her after the, so. the, after the incident? Well, he had multiple wives too. Uh, right. so I did that. know that. Yeah, I did. Know I that. think so because if I'm remembering correctly, he ends up being buried. Jeffords is the only like white person to witness his burial, and they on like on purpose lost it on time. Like lost it. Like they hit it, so nobody knows where he's buried. Dang. Let's ask Jeffords. <laughs> Jimmy, we need you, Jimmy. Okay, next round. Be sure you are right, then go ahead. This is our morality round. Where we're going to be handing out, you know, we're going to be handing out negative points here. Uh, or put to positive points if Matt's feeling like hot take Jackson again. Uh, he didn't. <laughs> a lot of murder again. I keep hounding on that point. Yeah, but that was part of their survival. 
They needed the rating to survive. Here's what I will say. Is I've I've thought about this one a lot because I wrote this episode probably back in August. I will not stand behind when your culture is about just taking and killing. I'm not going to stand behind that. So I'm not going to give them token points because it's a culture mm-hmm. thing. I'm going to say negative seven before, and a half. Okay. What were you going to say before? I, I will point out he he did have his own vendetta. So whether we wanted to keep that into account. Um, he vendettas does, never, ever pan out. You always turn into the bad guy. Wait until Wyatt Earp. We'll get there. But he then also realizes that he can't fight forever. And he, he does try working out a piece in like the last four years of his life. If that means that there's my there's my argument. How many times, it. though? How many times? With that said, I'm going negative eight. <laughs> um, negative 15 and a half. Next round to hell with the consequences. We're going to be handing out negative 10 points to positive 10 points a piece, depending on if we think he was more crazy or if he was clever. He's not crazy. I don't think I don't he's think. that clever, though. Ah, he did a couple clever things. He, he hid from the Americans and the Mexicans for most of his life. I'm going to give him... This is going to be interesting because this is going to be a positive round. This is going to destroy his score. I agree, I'm going to say, because I think he was clever. I do, too. So I'm going to go ahead and give him... Brutal, but clever. Five and a half. Are you, you're going to go higher, aren't you? I just have a feeling you think he was more clever. Well, we just don't know. Like, I don't think you gave a bad score. I was actually going to go five. Um, so the thing is, because I... I I mean, he did escape the camp. I mean, he did, he did have the brains enough to get a couple prisoners with him or take a couple hostages himself mm. as bargaining chips. Mm. That is a good point. He didn't just recklessly, when his family was taken, he didn't just recklessly kill everyone that moment. He did that after his cousins were killed. <laughs> then he just took Arizona. That, by the way, underrated point. And I might go back and change my score. He controlled Arizona for like a year. Right. Which we haven't seen since like Red Cloud. But I feel like he lost it quickly. I mean, he did. And like it was a convenient, like it was convenient timing because the Americans had the Civil War. But. And I feel like he didn't because there were other bands, like you said, and he wasn't able to. He wasn't able to like band them all together to try and take over permanently. Right. Nope. That did not happen, but it here's the thing. So like when people talk about, and I know people don't care about sports necessarily on a history podcast, but when the 2020 seasons happened and like baseball, they usually have 162 game season and they had a 60 game season and the Dodgers won the world series and everyone thinks they should have an asterisk because it wasn't a real world series. Everyone played by the same set of rules the Apache still took over the area that you can't take away from them, regardless of the circumstances. It still happened. Yeah. Oh, that's just, that's my counterpoint. So, you know, I, I'm going to go back. Can I, can I cheat? I'm going to go back. I'm going to go negative eight for that point. Cause he controlled an entire state. Well, territory for a while. I'll allow it. And I think that's impressive. 
for this round though um i'm also i'm gonna give him a five to hell with the negative to the consequences i don't think he was crazy at all that is actually going to destroy his score though overall but that's all right positive 10.5 now we're gonna lock in coach east's score which is sitting at a negative 19.5 which means he's negative which means we're going to continue to subtract points from his score from here on out our next round is called draw if we get into a duel with coaches how screwed are we on a scale of zero to ten i don't know like we didn't really go over his oh he was violent let's not yeah well no no i know we went over that like he was violent but we didn't go over really necessarily his shoot i I would just run down a hill you know what i'm saying i don't think that would help (laughs) I don't we didn't go into like I'm not that scared so let's okay so let's change it this way because I think we even talked about uh in sitting bulls episode if we are in a fight with coaches I think that's what our standard should be because we're dead it's not even a maiming are we though they tied a child do a wagon oh, wheel like, after, yeah. and then there's this. Yeah. I don't know if I covered it. There's there's like literal child mutilation that I did not right. cover. Right. right. So whatever happens is, is brutal. So I think we are in trouble because he will kill you without thinking about it because he's done it before. So I will give my score because I think I am more intimidated by him than most. So I am going to go negative seven. I'm going to do negative five. Explain your score. I'm scared. Oh, I think that's a mistake. Dude, I think it's, I think it's, okay, so I went in the middle because I think it's 50-50. If you were a rancher in 1860s Arizona. He had people. It's not like he just showed up. He had backup. I'm just saying. I think he he is. He couldn't, they couldn't even take out when they had the, the advantage. All right. All right. Send your hate mail to, to Eric. Action. I am trained. Okay. I believe you. I believe you. All right. Negative 12 for draw. Next round is legacy. How well known is he? We're going to be taking points away for zero to negative 10, depending on how well known we think he is. It's not very well known. Is he? There's a county named after him. Right. But uh, I think he's. If we're doing like a tier list, he's probably like B or C, I would say. I'm surprised you went that high. Oh, you think lower? I I struggle. I knew the name and I knew he yeah. was Apache. That's exactly. that was it. Oh, see, I didn't even. I, you're now that you just said that, I didn't even know he was Apache. So, and if you said, "Tell me, Coaches, tell me where he's located," I probably would have been like Midwest. I do think he's in the Bass Reeves range. Now that hurts me because I think Bass Reeves should be much more well known than he is. But I did like Bass Reeves. Yeah, so maybe C tier. Yeah. So what's a C tier to you and a number? Three. I'm gonna go slightly higher and do four. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that that range is probably right. Yeah, I mean, I, the only time you really hear, you hear about Cochise County, and I feel like you only hear that if you're talking about Tombstone, because that's obviously the county. Right, and it's, not, and it's not like, right. So, 
I mean, I would be if you if you pulled a hundred Americans, would ten of them know who he is? Right. I that's yeah. It's a shame because I I mean he's impressive, but I just don't think he's well known. Next round, death bonus. We're going to be handing out bonus points between zero and two if you think he had a cool death story. He had an inconvenient death. I'm going to give, okay, so I'm going to give, uh, I was thinking about this during the episode. I'm going to give him 0.5, not because of how he died, but because of how long he lived and how often, I mean, his father-in-law walked in a camp and they accidentally said a bad word. Uh, <laughs> 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 Got to beep yourself. Okay, so, <laughs> so he came in. So he walked in the camp and they tortured him and killed him. He mm-hmm. was able to just come and go. They were so confused. Yeah. And then he was able to just walk out. Yeah. So that's why I said 0.5 because of how like. He should have died multiple times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fair. I'm, I was thinking 0.5 for a different reason because. After Geronimo's episode, it's going to make sense. But we are at like the climax of where the Apache should live. And the most influential chief that wants peace is now dead. That is going to have ripple effects for Geronimo's episode, who's basically just going to pick up the Cochise baton and just run with it. So I'm going to give him, I'm also going to give him 0.5, but uh, for slightly different reasons. I don't disagree with your reasons, though. I think they're sound. That one. (laughs) Next round, counting coup. His confirmed-ish kills. Let me take a guess. I don't even have a number. Oh, I I would assume, well. Pure speculation. If I had a guess, I'd say somewhere in the 50s. I don't even know where to like. Well, I think about it. You said they raided for like a solid, solid two years. Well, that's, I think it's not even just two years. It's his entire life. But I wonder if we throw out a Custer scenario. So we gave Custer all of the deaths at the Battle of the Washita. Do we give him all of the deaths in 1861 for civilians, which was over 100? No, I say we do that divided by three. So you want 30? Yeah. 30 divided by, okay, so that's going to end up giving him three points. Yeah. I'm going to. Because he didn't do all the killing. He Well, yeah, that was just, I mean, he went on so many raids. And also, we're talking when he was a young man and healthy. I'm sure he did a lot of murder there. Maybe half. Maybe half. What do you mean half? Like 50. I was about to say, I don't think 50 is out of the realm of possibility. And if we want to... Attack... Hey, we make the rules here and we're saying 50. Okay, so we're going to say 50 with a with an asterisk. But I, I can honestly... Anyone who wants to debate that, I'm happy to hear like why you disagree. Because I, I honestly don't even know where to start with it. Because there's zero documentation. It's not like the Apache were like, I killed this many people on this state and this state and this state. Yeah, it's very tough. So I think giving him 50, I think is reasonable, which by the way, is about the same as like the Donner party 
dying like it's around that ballpark the entire party the entire party so he killed the donners five negative five which brings him to a total score of negative 44.5 which is a bit disappointing but he he should have had a swing of 20 points because we turned we gave him positive 10 points for not being crazy so that would have been a swing of 20 points. That would have brought him up to like a 40, uh, 65 ish, but he's in the 40s. So now draft time. What are we doing? Eric's going to flip a coin. As you know, heads, tails, I call it winner gets to decide if they're on their team or not. Eric, remind me we're not more than two off, right? No, we're even. Yes, we're even. So that means whoever wins gets to decide. Loser has to cry themselves to sleep tonight. Heads. Back it up. Oh, it's tails. It's tails. Yeah. Boy, I'm going to draft him. But that means I can go two for two on Apaches because Geronimo will be drafting. Yep. Yep. Now, remember as well, I didn't mention it, but if Eric or I go more than two figures up on the other, the next one automatically goes to the other person. True. He's actually my second negative score on my team. Yeah, I know. I got all the negatives. <laughs> yeah, you do. Do you want to know my other negative person? Um, Is it Red Cloud? John Wesley Harden. The biggest one, right? The baddest baddie. So those are my only two negative scores. Negative 89.5 for John Wesley Harden and then negative 44.5 for Coaches. But I think that brings your count up to correct me if I'm wrong. 13. 13. So, yeah. And I finally pulled ahead. Also, I feel like all right. I don't want to say Coaches is a dark horse but he is better than his score implies. I don't think so. I, I think, think he's right where he needs to be. I think he's his. I think he is worth having on a team. I don't think he's going to win. I think he's I, worth having on a team, but he won't even make it to the round of 24. Or wait, there's only 40. So he won't make it to the round of 10. That's fine because it's not how far he goes. It's who he takes out on your team. And maybe oh, he's going to take out a C-lister. Maybe. Maybe we're impressed by him, man. Who knows? Anyway, I have Cochise. I'm feeling good about it. Have high hopes to get Geronimo. Probably also going to be a two-parter for everyone. Sorry about that. This is There's a lot going on here, and it's very hard to explain in just one episode. I mean, honestly, this was the background. This is the background of Geronimo. Geronimo. We've just went from 1800 and now we're at 1874 and Geronimo's like I said, so we've just done a lot of background. We don't need to go over, you know, Apache, pa- the battle of Apache pass again. We don't need to go over. Now we just need to pick up at negotiations are here and yeah, it's going to be fun. There's a lot. There's so, if you thought you were raised before Geronimo, he really likes himself a raid as well. Oh, more bloodshed is a coming. Yes, it is. So with that, 
Remember, if you like what you heard today, go ahead and like and subscribe. Leave us a comment on whatever podcast service you are listening on. Uh, We really appreciate it. And you can always check out our website, ranking76.wordpress.com, where you will find a link to all of our social media, our email. You can see the scorecards. You can check out the other episodes you may have missed. Um, We really appreciate it. I'm Eric. And I'm Matt. Bye, yeah, yeah, yeah.